The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, we're talking Union Busting in Berlin, Monaco, Marseille, have Napoli won the title, the return of Dark Jose, and team that Atletico Madrid can beat, discovered in Spanish fifth tier. All that and more in this Totally Football Show. All right then, Tuesday the 15th of November. And what do you say? One last time, brackets for this calendar year, close brackets. Let's do a European Totally Football show with our buddies, Alvaro Romeo, Raphael Honigstein, Julian Laurence, and James Horncastle. All right, friends. Hi. Hi. Bonjour, right. James. There you go, listener. They're excited. And I am too. Uh, I think a lot of you, you you're excited because your bags are packed. Isn't that right, Rafa? Uh, not yet. I'm only going on Sunday, so a few more, few more days, James. Yeah, but, James Hawkins, um, your, your bags are packed. Just this, this sixty minutes to get through, and then you, you're on the plane. Yeah. No, I go after Rafa on the Monday. So, uh. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Alvaro, that though. looks like a Qatari bit of knitwear you've got on, ready for your trip. Yeah, unfortunately, it's just the outfit. Oh yeah, you're not going to Qatar. <laughs> Oh. No, because we are Premier League right holders in Talksport, and uh, oh. that's about it. I see, I see. Jules, you are making a trip, though, imminently. I am on Wednesday. I'm the first one of, of our team to go, uh, of, of, you know, the Totally Football Show to go. So today I went to collect my uh, shirt, uh, classic football shirt. Of course, I've got some beauties, just let me tell you. But you're also off to Paris on Tuesday, is that right? I am indeed to see uh, our friend Adrien Rabiot. I'll tell him all the uh, the good words that James Fontcastle used to slag him off with earlier in the season hey. you know, and in past seasons. Yeah. I've come come round on, on on Rabiot. I'll be honest with him when he says to me, "What does your your mate James Fontcastle make of my uh, my career at Juve?" I'll be honest. World class Pjanic. He had the same opinions uh, on you, on, Adrian, as, as I do on all of Dutch management. Um, that's, that's what you should say. Wow. Jules, Strong. did you get a France 2002 shirt? No, I, somehow no. those shirts have been burned, all of them. You can't find them anywhere. Those are not, <laughs> not available about? anymore. Maybe a 2010 then. Uh, those have gone as well in the bin, yeah, in the skip, uh, at the Deschetterie, as we say. So all gone. I see, I see. Well, Jules... Even though you're heading off to speak to Adrian Rabio, you will be joining us, uh, as indeed you all will be, in our uh, in our special World Cup preview shows, when we'll be checking out the uh, World Cup prospects of all these exciting teams. But right now, we're here to talk about the last round of European action before it all gets underway in Qatar. And of course, we're going to begin with Rafa, a moment of the weekend. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Rafa. Yes, James. What is your moment of the weekend? Ooh. I would like to pick... <laughs> I was going to pick a goal that, that wasn't a goal. Oh. Is that allowed? Sure. Um, Jamal Muziala scored the third goal for Bayern away to Schalke. Unfortunately, was offside. But it was such a beautiful, beautiful goal. The whole move was incredible. And despite it not counting, I think it had uh, 
it sort of underlined what a performance he had. And afterwards, Lotto Matteo said, this guy can never leave Bayern. He would be Bayern's Messi. He's more talented than I was. People gushing with praise about his performance and his chances for shining for Germany. So in a strange way, I think that moment just underlined just how good he was, or is, I should say. Mm, excellent. Julian. I would go for Seat Kolasinac's goal for Marseille in the 98th minute on Sunday night away at Monaco in front of the um, the, the away crowd, really, because the stadium was full of Marseille fans. C'est tiré devant la surface de réparation Le but Marseillais Not just because he gave the win to Marseille, of course, and turned the game on his head because they were 2-1 down earlier in the second half, Marseille. Because it was just like this, the scenario, the game was incredible. A week after that boring Olympico, the, that derby there between Monaco and Marseille was really, really intense, was really good, loads of goals. And Colasinac with the unlikely winner for Marseille. All right, perhaps you'll tell us more about that game later on. Alvaro, how about you? Yeah, my moment of the weekend comes from Copa del Rey. Uh, Real Union beat Cadiz 3-2. And this is a side that is... Uh, playing in the third tier of La Liga, but this is a side that won the Spanish Cup four times as well, all before the Spanish Civil War, and uh, they beat a side from La Liga, they are one of the founding members of La Liga, Real Union, and uh, it was nice to see that um, in the border of France, Real Union, they don't felt young again, or at least for a day, they felt like they might have been feeling in the 1920s when they, ve they were a very big side in La Liga so, and in the Spanish Cup. So congratulations to them because they beat um, a top-flight opposition, Real Union de Irún. Hmm. What round are they through to now? Uh, they are going through to the second round. They were playing the first round of the Spanish Cup. Okay, but how many teams will be left at that point? 64 teams left. Okay. 28 games, but the uh, teams from the Super Cup, they are not playing yet. So. Ah, yes. Indeed not. Okay, and James Horncastle? My moment of the weekend, James, uh, actually happened uh, two years ago. And it was when uh, an executive working for, what, the <laughs> Referees Association right. in Italy, um, his car was stopped and uh, 35 kilograms of hashish and marijuana were found uh, mm. in it. Um, and uh, And yet, yeah, he's... Whilst being under these allegations has been sort of working for the Italian Referees Association, leading a kind of double life, and uh, has been dubbed Pablo Escovar. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> that time. Yeah, so it was... it's caused a bit of a scandal uh, in Italy that this has kind of been allowed to happen. A little uh, bit, yeah. Despite yeah. being stopped with close to 40 kilos of hash, he was appointed in 2021, the following year, the chief investigator for the Italian Pogmol. Extraordinary. Yeah, he even that, got an award last summer for being a, a <laughs> being great at his job. Brilliant. Yeah, phone tap <laughs> subsequently revealed that he's known as Rambo among the network of uh, international drug traffickers that he worked with, and is uh, and, and is also the hitter, the, the enforcer. Was his source was wiretapped talking about how he would use electric shocks to torture, torture people. Remarkable. Yeah, and people have problems with goal line technology. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, an incredible story. Rosario Donofrio is the man. And uh, yeah, incredible. All right, where are we going to begin, Jules? With Liga. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
Liga. Lovely moment, Jules, in Liga as Lyon ushered out Karim Benzema to present his Ballon d'Or to the, the crowd ahead of their game with Nice at the weekend. Yeah, on Friday night, and that's a good idea that they did because that's the only good thing about that Friday night game, to be fair, James. He has a, a mural in Bron, uh, which is the, the little city, the little town near, near Lyon where he's come from, where the family still lives for most of it, uh, where he started playing football, of course, the council estate where he grew up. So very emotional scenes for him to be back there with the Ballon d'Or, of course, the mural, and then being presented on the pitch. Bernard Lacombe, the, uh, the legendary striker from Lyon, who sort of kind of nurtured him as well when he joined the club when he was only like 11 years old, was there. Jean-Michel Olas, of course. That was great. The rest, the game against Nice was terrible. And uh, Larry White is doing as much as he can, I guess. It's just not happening so far. I think he welcomed the break massively, the World Cup break, because he was, again, very laboured. They got a point. They were very lucky. They, they didn't even deserve a point. So Karim Benzema coming back where it all started for him with the Ballon d'Or was, was very special. The, the, the rest and the game and the performance were not at all. Oh dear. Well, at least you had that remarkable Provençal derby between Monaco and Marseille yeah. that we were talking about before. Does this one have a name beyond Provençal derby? I think it still counts as the Mediterranean derby. Okay. But, right. um, obviously, there's more distance between Marseille and Monaco than between Monaco and Nice, for example. But it's still... The hatred is not as big as in between Nice and Marseille, for example, where they would burn your car if your car had a reg plate from Nice and you were in Marseille or the other way around. Right. But it's still, it's still, I it's mean, still who are you going to hate if you're on the Marseille supporters? Who, who are you going to hate? Good luck. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, Monaco, they consider them irrelevant, which they've got yeah. a point to be fair, because again, three quarters of the stadium on Sunday night was from Marseille fans, nothing to do with Monaco fans. Irrelevant or not, they were 2-1 up with seven minutes to go, Monaco, in what's been a difficult season, and still ended up losing 3-2. A glorious free kick from one Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, to open the scoring, he was good again. Very isolated, which we said on the goal show when we had the Marseille games on in the Champions League, which I still don't really understand why he got to do does that, but he scored. And then Monaco were better after that. They, they equalised and then took the lead in the, sec in the start of the second half, Kevin Volan with a great assist by Golovin. And then you think, OK, Monaco had not lost in, in nine games in a row. Marseille only won one of the last five before Sunday night. So you think, OK, the, the dynamic is there. Monaco are in the lead. They're at home, even if it's full of Marseille fans. They should see this game out. We saw the, the really bad injury to Amin Arit, uh, mm. who injured his knee, and this is crucial, which means he will miss the World Cup. I think that shocked a lot of the players on the pitch. He had to come off, uh, and Dimitri Payet came on to replace him and had a really positive impact uh, because he gave the assist on the second goal, the Veretout goal, to make it 2-2, and then got the foul, which was not really a foul, right at the end in the 90th minute. And to then deliver the cross for Kolasinac's header for the win. So for Payet, who's been really frustrated this season because he hasn't played much, he's still overweight, let's be honest here. Too many kinders, we said that often enough, but it's the truth. But yet, over 25 minutes, he can still come on and have that kind of impact because, I mean, you see it, Alexis Sanchez is a, is, you know, is a guy that would, that would play with you a lot if he could tell you were a bowler, right? If you're not a bowler, you would hardly get the ball from him. As soon as Payet came on for that game, 
Alexis literally tried to find him every time he was on the ball because he knew that there was one guy capable of a decent pass. It was Payet. And this is what he does, even if he's not fit. Um, so really, really good impact from Payet. Big win for them because they really needed it badly. And for Monaco, it's a, it's a missed opportunity to, to climb up the table. Indeed, it's Marseille who move up to fourth place. They're one behind third place. Rennes, Monaco stay in sixth spot. At the top of the table, of course, it's Paris Saint-Germain. They took on Uzer this weekend. How did that go, Jules? It went really well for them. They won 5-0, uh, James. I mean, I think uh, Auxerre were very much in the... Um, let's not hurt you too much before the World Cup mood right. because they, they, they made seven fouls in uh, the 95 minutes of the game. So seven fouls when you travel away to PSG and you only have the ball for 25% of it. You haven't really done much defending and much... You haven't been really aggressive, let's be honest. So... It was good for PSG. They had a good afternoon. Kickoff was 12 o'clock, but the MM was in good form. Mbappe scored. Messi was great. Neymar was great. And we even saw the first goal for, for young Hugo Ekitike, who finally, after 12 appearances, got his first goal and got like a little initiation as well, where they basically punched him uh, on the pitch as a celebration. They pushed him. Punched him. Punched but him. But in okay. a nice way. In a nice yeah, way. yeah. Playfully, you know. Exactly. 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 That's great. What kind of initiation were you thinking of, James? The ones he, the ones he witnessed at school in England. If you're wondering, listener, whether <laughs> Wren's extraordinary unbeaten run under Pep Genesio has continued, the answer is yes. Yes, it has. It's now 17 matches. They beat Toulouse 2-1. There you go. Right, that's enough, Liga. Unless, Jules, you've got another story? Just chance? quickly, because it's a oh. lovely father and son story. Uh, Montpellier drew 1-1 against Reims at home and the, the, the player who scored their, their goal right at the end as well of the game is Sacha Delay. And Sacha's father used to play for Montpellier hmm. uh, and he's now this kind of sporting director, if you want, uh, Philippe Delay, who was a, a good midfielder like, like Sacha Delay is. Uh, 20, Sacha is. 13 years after his dad's last goal for Montpellier, the son scores his first goal, which is a lovely story. And Montpellier have... This is what they do. They also have Enzo Chateau, who's the, the son of Bill Chateau, who played for Montpellier before. Uh, they've got Léo Leroy, whose father, Jérôme, played for PSG Marseille, not for Montpellier, but still there. Uh, Ryan uh, Zodic also plays for the academy and his dad used to play for Montpellier. So a lot of, um, I don't know how you say the word. Well, not so much Montpellier, it's Montpère, I would say. <laughs> Montpellier, nice, nice. But well done to the Delay family, who were very happy, obviously, on Sunday night. I think the best parallel with uh, Montpellier would be Fiorentina when they had Yanis Hadji, Federico Chiesa, True that. and Giovanni Simeone. Well, yes, yeah. it's pretty Slightly much. Slightly better than the uh, Delay family, Leroy <laughs> family. Uh, I've got another one, Chateau and Coza family. But you know, I'll take that for Montpellier. Still. Okay. Who's up next then on this exciting Euro Totally Football show? It's Rafa with his Bundesliga news. This upcoming World Cup, what are The Athletic going to be doing about it? Well, every night I'll be hosting a Totally Football show with the likes of Raphael Honigstein, James Horncastle and the rest of the Totally crew. Then every morning from Qatar, wham, The Athletic Football Podcast will be at you with David Ornstein, Matt Slater, Adam Crafton and many more. There'll also be World Cup content from Adam Hurry's Football Clichés Podcast, Michael Cox's insightful Athletic Football Tactics Podcast and Joe Devine's TIFO podcast with all the stories that matter from Qatar. All in all, The Athletic is your essential audio companion for the upcoming World Cup. 
This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. All right, Rafa. Hey, Union have had another big loss at the hands of Freiburg. Bayern beat Schalke, and in the Battle of the Borussias, Mönchengladbach beat Dortmund 4-2. Wow, what do you want what do you want to start with? Union got fried, James. <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were they were terrible again, Union. I don't know what's going on with them. They conceded a, an early goal and then they completely lost their heads for for the second away game in a row. Opened up, were hit on the break. Yes, got unlucky with uh, some refereeing decisions. Four penalties in this game. But well beaten. And Freiburg, who we haven't mentioned much, actually Bayern Jäger number one, the team closest to Bayern, just four points off them. Their best ever 15 games in the Bundesliga history, opening 15 games, I should say. And it's an amazing testament to, to what a great year they've had getting into the DFB Pokal final, getting through to the last eight in the Europa League and DFB Pokal again. And all on a very small budget of, what, about 114 million euros in total? What kind of town is Freiburg, Rafa? What kind of club is this? So Freiburg is a, is a pretty small town, about 230,000 people in the Black Forest. Uh, very picturesque, uh, lots of uh, uh, agriculture around there, um, you know, wine and, and stuff in this area. Um, not a quite fairly wealthy, the southwest of Germany is fairly wealthy. But they're a small club without any big benefactor. There's, of course, no ownership in, in German football. So it's all the, the, all the finances are organic um, from organic income. And just through the sheer willpower and quality of Christian Streich's management and some good scouting, they've managed to overachieve yet again. I mean, finishing in the Europa League places last year was already an extraordinary achievement and now going into the Champions League possibly would be even would be even better but mm. it's all it's all done in a very hard working very pragmatic way hard to sort of say what the secret is beyond just working hard and, and doing things in a quite clever way mm. well they were 3-0 up within 20 minutes after a hat trick from their Italian international Vincenzo Grifo and ended up 4-1 winners, up to second place, as you say, of course, behind Bayern Munich, who notched up yet another win against Schalke. What happened, though, what happened, though to Dortmund in their clash with the other Borussia? Rafa, just, you know, I should know this, but what does Borussia actually mean in this context? It's an anachronistic term for Prussia. Right. And any reason why those two clubs have adopted it and others not? Uh, well, historically, they were in the territory of, of Prussia. So it's the same as Bayern calling themselves after Bavaria. All right. Um, yeah, that makes there's Poison Münster as well, which is named after uh, after Prussia. So it's not unusual mm. to have that regional part of your name attached. Anyway, Edin Terzic under Prussia now. With this. Definitely, definitely. Edin for some rough times. Yeah, nice. Um yeah, second defeat this week because they lost against Wolfsburg, which is painful. 
And this one was worse because they defended so badly. It was just abject, um, especially for Mats Hummels, who was left out. By Hansi Flick was very upset, but then kind of had the performance which suggested that maybe uh, Flick wasn't that wrong to, to let's say, to back others instead. Um, it's just, you, you just really have a hard time explaining why Dortmund can be so good on one day, especially going forward. They have so much quality, but then defensively, absolutely shambolic. And sixth place uh, at the moment. They're only two points off top four, so it's not a disaster. But if you consider that, you know, they're sort of the heading for points in the in the low 60s, I mean, that is no way near good enough for a team that wants to at least get closer to Bayern. But it looks as if they'd be further away than ever before, uh, the way it's going. And if, if Champions League qualification becomes doubtful, then I think the 1,000% backing, in quotes, that uh, Aki Vatske provided verbally through uh, to Edin Terzic might come down to maybe a smaller percentage um, rate quite soon. Mm. So a lot, of, a lot of things to ponder, a lot of things to work out in the training camp in Marbella in January. Okay. Mats Hommels didn't get the call-up for Germany's uh, expedition to Qatar, but uh, Yusufa Makoku did, as you predicted. He did, and Julian Brandt did, and Brandt scored a great goal. But yeah, Mukoko, a lot of hopes for him, although I'm not sure how much we'll see him. I think he might be the sort of player that will come on if Germany really need him, and uh, I'm kind of hoping that they won't. But just the fact that he's there, I think, uh, testament to his great performances. This week, and, not so much, though. And well done to Marcus Thuram as well, who on the back of that game got called up by Deschamps. Deschamps who told us today that he was on purpose, waiting for the weekend to announce a 26 uh, player in the squad. So he kept it to 25 on purpose in midweek last week to wait what happened this weekend to pick who the 26 best candidate would be. And after Turam's really good performance on Friday, he decided that he was going to be the 26 man. Turam, of course, not Paris born and bred, but Palmer no, come on. born and bred. Okay, but he grew up in Paris. He moved there very early, so he counts as one Paris born and bred. Sorry. Well, no, you can't say he, <laughs> he does. As, but he could be Paris bred. In born and bred, there's the bred. That means you grew yeah, up there. But there's okay. also the born. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, bre- but you know, <laughs> Paris born Marie. or bred. You're talking about. It's <laughs> Paris bred and bred. Paris bred and bred. Right. Uh, Actually, hmm. the bread is not bread as in eating. It's where you've been bred, so where you've been conceived. What? <laughs> yes, from breeding, born and bred. The bread stands for breeding. Can this be? <laughs> Have you not? Did you not know this? It's B, yes. spelled B-R-E-D. Not the way I do it, Rafa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so on the subject unless of the his Bundesliga. parents moved to Paris when they yes. were having... To open up a boulangerie. Yeah. Conjugal yeah. relations. Yeah. Is that the right word? Um, anyway, I digress. Um, Turam's having a great season, Jules, and uh, you're totally yeah, right to bring his name up. In, yeah, in 10 and 15 in the league. And some cynical people, of which I wouldn't uh, count myself in, are saying this is a typical contract year because he's out of contract and suddenly he's bang in form. But I'd like to think it's more to do with him being fully fit. He had some injury problems in previous years and he looks looks really, really good. And there is talk in Munich that 
if Bayern were to go for a slightly more sort of physical number nine next season, and they don't quite believe that Eric Maxim Chupomutin can keep it up uh, at the age of 33 and 34 next season, that Turam might actually fit the bill, uh, being out of contract and, uh, of course, at a great age. He's on a roll, Rafa. I suppose because he's Paris. Bread. <laughs> And in a more central position, it works better for him than when he was playing wide at times before. Yeah, so, I agree. Yes. I agree. But Jules, do you think he's got any chance of actually playing? I mean, France have so much quality yeah. up front. So he's the eighth forward. Uh, I, I think he can have an impact eighth physically. Forward. Yeah, they have yeah. eight forward in the list. I mean, which is not unusual. Brazil have nine, for example. So it's like it's in a group of 26, 26 players. Yeah. yeah, in a group of 26, mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah. But okay. once you've replaced... I suspect that behind the, the front three of Griezmann, Benzema and Mbappe then, I guess, and Kunku is probably the next one to come on uh, and then probably Dembele. So yeah, you're right, Raf. It's, it just looks like it would need a lot for him to come on. But if they, if they win the first two games, then I think the third game would be quite a big rotation. So he, he might have a chance. Rafa, one last thing on the Bundesliga, mm-hmm. unless you have others. Mention that Javi Lonzo is getting a bit of a a run together of results. Three straight wins now. Yeah, and they got a little bit lucky in a couple of them, certainly against Köln in midweek. I think they they had six good minutes, which uh, was enough. It's something that you... <laughs> forget it. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I dream of six good minutes. <laughs> good minutes? What are those? <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, yeah, they had a few good minutes. Uh, they weren't that convincing. But defensively, James, they've really become a lot more solid. And this is not perhaps the first quality you'd uh, associate with a Xabi Alonso side, but they've been quite pragmatic. And then they have, dare I say, a very good Paris born and bred forward, a Moussa Diaby, who was once again absolutely outstanding. And I think rightly called the best player not at the World Cup by Simon Rolfes because I think if been any other nation, they would have loved to take Moussa Diaby. He's, he's so good. So, um, yeah, some good news for Leverkusen. They're up in 12th, which hmm. is a massive relief for, for Xabi Alonso. And I think puts them in a great position to, to have a good second half of the season. You know where they're actually playing on Wednesday in a friendly, James? No. It's quite topical. In St. Louis. Ah, St. Louis in Missouri. Yes. Right. What do you know about football over there? Uh, Quite a bit, actually. Quite a bit, actually. Um, They have a pretty good coach in Bradley Carnell, who was, of course, a Bundesliga uh, player. And uh, he was at Red Bull in New York, I think. And they have the former... Hoffenheim keeper Lutz Pfannenstiel as the sporting director. Very interesting, very interesting project. Look at you with this St. Louis football knowledge, Rafa. Mm. Mm. Very good. Up next, I want to hear why La Liga got the weekend off. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. 
dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Alvaro, the Spanish League was paused this weekend for the Spanish Cup, as you were mentioning before. Was that a deliberate tactic, especially with the Super Cup teams not playing in the Cup, to give everybody an extra, sneaky extra few days rest before World Cup? I think it was. La Liga used that... Um that gap that the calendar had uh, as an opportunity to insert a midweek, but then the Spanish Cup was played. So, of course, many top players didn't have to feature in the weekend. They could rest a little bit. Not all of them, though, because, for example, Diego Simeone was uh, probably so angry with his players that he used uh, seven players who started against Mallorca in the midweek. Right. Why was he angry, Alvaro? Because Atletico lost to Mallorca, because Atletico hasn't won a game since the 23rd of October uh, when they beat Betis, because Atletico has conceded an average of a goal per game in La Liga, because they are out of the Champions League, because they are out of the Europa League, and because against Mallorca it was ridiculous. Uy, el Mallorca la tiene Chaume Costa, gol de Murici! The performance was very bad. Murici scored uh, after 15 minutes and Atletico created a few chances, but they weren't any better than Mallorca. They lost. Álvaro Morata showed that he's still struggling to score goals, only five goals this season. The defense, Savic and Jimenez, are not working together. That uh, Perduo, which is uh, probably the best possible um, defensive line for Atletico de Madrid, is not working. And uh, many other players, uh, right now, they are at best fringe players, but they are getting 90 minutes of football because uh, no one is uh, raising their hand and saying, here I am, you can use me. Many mm. players at Atletico de Madrid are underperforming. So I think Simeone wanted to make sure that Atletico didn't lose in the Spanish Cup because that would have been something that would have deepened up the crisis much more. And they managed to win. Fortunately for them, they beat Almazan 2-0 away. I'm not familiar with Almazan. What tier are they from? Almazan is in the fifth tier of Spanish mm. football. It's a municipality uh, about 120 miles away from Madrid, uh, heading north. And it's a very, very small municipality. I think that um, they've got less than 10,000 population. Wow. So, yeah, it was a very special game for them. Okay. Uh, and the Spanish Cup, as of late, they are offering plenty of picturesque games like this. Since they changed the format of the Spanish Cup, only one round or one leg as well, which in a way boosters the surprises because a few Spanish uh, top flight sides have been eliminated already. Uh, the likes of Almería the likes of Cadiz, and Atletico, I wouldn't say that they had any trouble, but obviously the one-leg factor added a little bit of a spice to the game. If Atletico had lost, then it would have been a, a very bad thing for Simeone ahead of uh, this uh, World Cup rest. Yeah, indeed so. Well done to Atletico then for getting past fifth-tier Almazan. In the meantime, did Jean-Felix get anything like a run-out this time, or has he been featuring anything more? Is he preparing to go on... Whatever the local equivalent of talk to, um, perhaps El Chiringuito, uh, to launch a series of accusations about being betrayed and stuff. Is he is he itching to move, basically, Alvaro? I think that um, we have come uh, to a point in which uh, 
Simeone wants to use Joao Felix, but he doesn't want to give him 90 minutes if he thinks that Joao doesn't deserve it. And Joao Felix thinks that based on his performances, he needs more playing time and he deserves more playing time. So it's a little bit of a situation that uh, has a very difficult fix because I think that if one of them has to leave and Simeone has a contract uh, at least until 2024, it is more likely that if Simeone doesn't get the sack, which is difficult that this happens, that Joao Felix tries to find an exit. So the World Cup is going to be a great platform for him, obviously. But yeah, he hasn't been very happy uh, as of late. And uh, also his uh, body language when he gets replaced uh, or in some games that uh, basically he doesn't put a lot of effort in, well, don't help the case of Joao Felix either. In my opinion, there is a lot of talent in there, but for whatever the reason, I think Simeone hasn't been able to get the best of it, and Joao Felix is not the kind of player who is a rebel, who says, okay, I'm going through a rough patch, but I'm going to rebel against this, and I'm going to come stronger from this. So, you know, these things don't mix very well, and yeah, the situation of Joao Felix hasn't been any better, or hasn't gotten any better over the, over the last year. No. All right, Alvaro. Well, as La Liga wraps up 2022, there is one surprising statistic that you wanted to mention. Yeah, it's the fact that in La Liga we are having a lot of red cards. And uh, if you ask me, is La Liga a dirty league? Is La Liga a violent league? I would say no. I would say that the referees have been tremendously strict lately. There were six uh, red cards in game week 14, eight in game week 13, plus some managers being sent off as well that I don't count because that is a different story. But, um, you know, for example, the Sevilla Betis, there were, I think, three players sent off and it wasn't just a rough game or a violent game. I think that the standards of the referee in Spanish football uh, have been a little bit strict. The yellow card or the, the first yellow card is being shown very quickly in Spanish football. And then, obviously, if you show a player a yellow card, you know, they are closer to getting sent off. And I believe that the Spanish sides are suffering from this a little bit as well, because the rhythm of the game is not that high to start with. And then when the Spanish teams play in Europe, they realize that the referees are uh, calling different things and they are they let play a bit more. So I think that this is quite remarkable. And I think that the Spanish football, in the interest of the spectacle, in the interest of the show, uh, they should try to tell the referees, look, maybe you shouldn't be so strict because, uh, you know, sometimes we're getting eight, seven, six red cards in a weekend. And, you know, these weekends, they haven't been particularly violent. Violent. No. I mean, if it's violent, then that's spectacle. But just the cards, that's no, no fun. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the we don't want to see that. No. We want to see the, the violence. The without the violence, there's no uh, point. The, the, the goals point? are down, the no. gameplay, but the actual it, amount of the game that's actually played is, is also uh, at a historic low as well, I think. No, Alvaro? It's basically but, a season, Yeah, no? but, but look, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still, uh, the last time that the French side won something in Europe... Oh! But, you know, no, they, they, that was a run when France won the World Cup. <laughs> um, where, I want, where I wanted to go with this, we're talking yeah. about club football now, uh, I wanted to say as well that sometimes I also don't think that La Liga's, the way they are showing the games and the images that they don't show to the mm. viewer, sometimes don't make the, the show more attractive. For example, I think that is part of Premier League history already, when Antonio Conte and Thomas Tuchel shook hands and then they had a bust-up. And I think that those videos and th that footage is going to be used in the future. Mm. Uh, and I think that this, uh, in a way, is even a, a good thing for the Premier League because uh, so I Spain, think that, that these videos can shown. go viral. Mm. Mm, I don't think that it would have been shown because I've seen many cases in which there has been a fight 
and the cameras or the the TV producer quickly changes the images on and and so something else. For example, in the Valladolid Betis back in August, there was a massive fight that it could have become viral as well. I'm thinking about those in those terms now because now everything is post-production. And La Liga didn't show that. Basically, mm. they show like a wide range angle of that fight. You couldn't see anything. And it's not, only, it's not only bad for the spectator, but also you don't inform the spectator about what's happening. You are paying for a TV package, you are paying to get football, to watch it, and you don't know who, which player got a red card, which player got a yellow card, and for what reason. So I think that La Liga is not doing that well. So mm. there are two things that pile up. On the other hand, the referees are tremendously strict, and uh, the rhythm of the game is not too high. And also, when there is something that is TV worth watching, they don't show it. And I think that mix doesn't work very well. They have to work on that. Sorted out, Liga. Next up, we're off to spectacular Syria. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Italy, Napoli, eight points clear after their 11th straight victory in the league. It's done, James. Season's over. I think uh, this... Nothing out of joint of the World Cup break coming as it is now because it just feels like uh, this is done. Even though mm. Monday's Gazetta Stella Sport, what did it say? It ain't over. It's because not Juventus over. Juventus have won six in a row. Inter have won six of the last seven. Yep. Milan aren't going away. But the reality is that Napoli are cut above everybody else. Well, they are right now. But we'll see when their first game back after the World Cup break will be against Inter, who also had a 3-2 victory this weekend. Napoli beat Udinese by that scoreline. Inter, meanwhile, went to Bergamo and beat Atalanta 3-2. As you mentioned, Juve notched up their sixth straight victory and their sixth straight clean sheet. And this week has also seen the return of Dark Jose. What do you want to tell us about first? <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about Jose. It's been yeah. a fun week, no? I mean, uh, they lose the derby uh, yeah. to, to Lazio and then they play Sassuolo and they take the lead, Tammy goal. Uh, scores his first goal for like two months in the league. Uh, apologizes to all the fans afterwards, but uh, they didn't win that game in Reggio Emilia because they uh, they conceded an equalizer. And afterwards, uh, Jose said, "I've been betrayed, been betrayed by one of my players." Um, he didn't say who it was, but it kind of quickly came out that it was the the wing back Rick Karstorp. Um and Karstorp was uh, told in the dressing room. You know, find a new club, um, mm. and 
he wasn't in the squad for the game against Torino uh, at the weekend. In fact, he was flying back to Holland and then he posted on Instagram. So sad. A oh. broken heart. Oh. Yeah, a little yellow heart and a little red broken yeah. heart next oh, to him. Poor guy. Did Devin Jose did. have his name in an envelope? <laughs> <laughs> But he's I been don't good, think he's been so. good for Jose before, right? I mean, I know not, yeah. not not so much reason, but before he, you know. Well, also like Jose's rebuilt him because he was signed by Monchi. He was one of the the yeah you know, the bad Monchi signings, and you know he had preseason and he did his cruciate ligament, and then he came back. He did his cruciate ligament again, and then he went back and played on loan in the Eredivisie. And people thought we're never going to see this Rick Karsdorp guy again. And instead, he played all of last year. He won the Conference League. Um, and Jose, could, we can't keep relying on Karstorp all the time. He plays all the time. I love mm. Rick Karstorp. Uh, <laughs> That's Jose, though. Up we until the week. Back to him <laughs> going off over the team sheets, writing P in front of his name. Really, really But this was very Bodo Glimt-esque when he, um, uh, after that humiliating, what was it, 6-1 defeat in Six the Arctic one. Circle, um, he, he binned off. Uh, about four or five players, didn't he? And I think the only one who's still at the club is Marash Kumbula, the Albanian centre-back. So um, we all know Jose's got form for this. But, you know, as, as as bad as it is that they're winless in three games, they lost the derby, it's so bunched up from mm. third to seventh in mm-hmm. City. I think they're still only three points from Juventus. They are. They're only three points, as are Atalanta, from Inter and Lazio, who are both on 30 points, Lazio in fourth spot. Juve are a point better off now in third place. Essentially, you've got Napoli eight points clear, then you've got Milan, Juve, Lazio and Inter all only three points apart and then three points off the back of that, you've got Atalanta and Roma. So yeah, a lot of football still to be played and one of the big questions, I guess, is when football does resume, how strong Juve are going to be? People keep suggesting that they could be the side to chase down Napoli, which is when you think back to where we were about a month, six weeks ago, an extraordinary notion, but with the calibre of players that they'll have coming back in, plus potentially one or two signings, it could be a really remarkable second half of the season. Or yeah. not. If only they'd sacked Allegri, eh? That dinosaur who doesn't know anything about football. Um, well, you know, clubs yeah. have replaced managers and done better afterwards. They have, but yeah. uh, we live in a very knee-jerk uh, culture, don't we, where you know one bad result uh, means you're... The worst manager in the world. And yes, um, it was pretty bad uh, for Juventus. They're still not in the Champions League. They went out. They lost five or six games. Um, Yeah, they declared that winning the title was their objective this year. But at the same time, the answer is not always to sack the manager. And uh, they have turned it around. They haven't always been spectacular. In fact, they've hardly ever been spectacular uh, this season. But they've found a way to win games. They look like a team again. Um, He's brought through kids. Um, you know, like Fagioli, like Miretti, like Gilling Jr. before his injury. Um, he settled on the system. He was chopping and changing at the beginning of the year because he had injuries. He didn't really know who he could count on. Um, and, you know, Julian's going to go see Rabiot um, tomorrow. Rabiot's been, is playing his best season uh, Moise at the club. Ken. Moise Ken has lost six kilos. Mm. Um, says that's the, the secret behind him scoring five goals in his last five games, um, which... It's been handy because Vlajevic has been out. Uh, I have to see how active Vlajevic is in the World Cup. Uh, same with Mitrovic uh, as well. And Kostic has played uh, very well uh, for Juventus. So uh, I didn't expect them to 
to win against Inter. I didn't expect them to win against Lazio. They kind of rode their look, luck first half against Inter, but came through. Uh, and in the game against Lazio, they, it was never really in doubt, partly because maybe Churo Immobile was missing for the Laziali. Um, but uh, Juventus defended pretty well. And... Uh, and yeah, they'll they'll yeah people yeah the the build up to this game uh, over the weekend was ah Juventus are really interested in Sergei Milinkovic Savic of Lazio and it's just like well actually they're signing a new midfield player in January and he's called Paul Pogba so forget about Milinkovic Savic because hopefully they'll have the Pog back. Hopefully they will. Hopefully they will. What else, James, from the weekend? Hey, wasn't there a big De Rossi Cannavaro clash in oh, yes. Serie B? Spal against Benevento, yeah. Mm. Uh, but it's it kind of hurts to talk about because it oh. brings up too many memories of Italy being at World Cups and winning <laughs> World Cups in two thousand six. Teammates in Germany, yeah. Yeah, now. well, Italy will be playing over the next few days. They've got oh, a yeah. couple of friendlies against uh, Albania and uh, and Austria, <laughs> um, and yeah, we've seen Mancini call up a sixteen-year-old. Um, who was for two team. months anything old? Anything to make that interesting. Anything, no, like literally. But, but, Call on Castle up. But this kid was two months old when Italy last won the World Cup. Are uh, you kidding? Is that no. 16 years ago? Yeah. That long? He was born in March 2006. Um, I mean, this is the generation that Italians talk about when they've missed out on going to the World Cup in 2018 and 2022 that, yeah. There are, there are kids who've grown up really without seeing their, their national team uh, play in this, in this tournament. But um, Simone Pafundi is his name, uh, All James. Right. That's an unusual um, name. It is. But uh, yeah, I mean, a reason to watch Albania and Austria because yeah, Italy did take the moral high ground in, in not wanting to, to play a World Cup that's mm. been hosted yeah, in Qatar. Yeah, so great boycott. credit really to them, boycott, credit to Albania, yeah. credit to Austria for their principles. Yeah, um, yeah and, and Dua Lipa. And Dua Lipa. And Dua Lipa, yeah. Always. But not you and me. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I missed the Dua Lipa news. Did she refuse to... Sorry, just to... Uh, this is the third shot revelation of the evening. Did she refuse to take part in uh, or perform yeah. a World Cup song? Yeah. Yes. Who they gone with instead? The, I don't know. I think it's a secret. Is it? Okay. But until they fulfill all the pledges, she said she's never going to go. All right. I think Robbie Williams is going because he just does the World Cup opening match, doesn't he? That is just ticking them off. Ariana Grande as well. She loves a, she loves a like pre pre final ceremony. Okay. Shakira, she's got some time now. Mm. Well, uh, James, you 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 have one other thing you wanted to tell us about. Well, let's literally go into Fergie time of the City Air section because. Lewis Ferguson, the Scottish midfield player who signed for Bologna, yeah. scored again. A sinistra per Ferguson, cross, anzi passaggio corto per Dominguez, la confusione di Ferguson, e sono tre, Bologna tre, Sassuolo zero. And it was a wonderful goal uh, that he scored uh, for Bologna in their win against Sassuolo, which is a local derby. Um, and Tiago Motta, treble winner, uh, one of Jules' favourites, because you know, he was I at PSG it. in the PSG twilight of his career. Um, said he's you know just a great kid. Already speaks quite a good, quite good Italian. Uh, listens, watches his his teammates. He's going to be a very good player. So yeah, there you go. Bit of Fergie time for you. Nice Scotland born and bred. <laughs> very good. Yeah. Excellent. Well, with that, 
Let's wrap it up for 2022 for our Euro Totally Football show. We will be catching up with you, as I say, over the next few days as we preview the event which must not be named. But for now, it's many, many thanks to Rafa, Alvaro, Jules, James, producer Charlie, you listener. And do join us for our World Cup previews Wednesday and Thursday. They'll be available for now. From all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.